You're listening to the voice of Rowan Prof Sports. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM, Glassboro. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. And now, here's your host, WGLS-FM Sports Director, Jack Miller. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Also online, RowanRadio.com, Channel 2. Welcome, everyone, to this Monday edition of Offsides. I'm filling in for Aaron Hook, your usual Monday host. I'm WGLS Sports Director Jack Miller, and I'm joined with three pretty good guests here on Offsides. I have Justin Locke, Tom Hill, as well as Aiden Ray. Guys, how are we feeling on this now Monday night as the clocks went back on Sunday night and it is almost pitch black outside the window here. How are you guys feeling? As good as you can on a night like this right after daylight savings. Justin, how about yourself? Uh, yeah, it definitely makes me more tired when it's dark out <laughs> at 5 o'clock. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. On on a Saturday night, um, before the clocks even went back, I, uh, I went to sleep at 8.30 and woke up at 4.30 when I usually go to sleep at around 4.30. So, <laughs> so uh, it was a little different uh, change of pace on Saturday night. Ray, how are you feeling? Um, after I know you're a, a, a Giants fan, but... They, uh, they took a pretty hefty loss to the Raiders. I'm feeling okay, honestly. I just accepted it after halftime, after I got pretty mad. But honestly, I'm just tired right now because it's, it's about to be dark at 5 p.m. I just want, like, at this point, it's just making me feel like, it makes me just want to go to bed at, like, 5. But yeah, we, we move forward. It's okay, though. Yeah, the winter snoozes are coming in full force it, here in Glassboro, and we have a lot of football to talk about. So let's uh, let's try and get the the energy up here in the uh, Glassboro studios because we got some football to talk about. A lot of football. The whole show is actually supposed to be all about football. It's kind of like a third and long episode, but uh, we have a lot of football. We have Dallas and Eagles. We have Chiefs and Dolphins to talk about. Texans versus the Bucks. The Giants game, as we just talked about just a few seconds ago. Uh, Dobbs uh, start with the Vikings. I was about to say return, but he didn't return. He started for the Vikings for his first game. And we got the Bengals and Bills. And we'll even talk about some Monday Night Football later on tonight. And we have a pretty decent top five for you guys as well. We're bringing back the top five. No more Immaculate Grid from me this week. So let's start off with uh, America's Game of the Week. Dallas versus the Eagles. 28-23. to The Eagles did win. In a little bit of a messy game, um, especially towards the end, where Dallas kind of marched down the field all because of Philadelphia not being able to uh, keep the game clean. A lot of penalties, a lot of dirty laundry out there on the field towards the final two minutes. Lock and a lot of players were getting hurt towards the end of the game as well. You saw Darius Slag being attended by trainers. You saw James Bradbury. Goddard has a fractured, uh, I'm, I'm assuming, I think it was a wrist or forearm injury. Hertz was limping at one point. It was a very physical game, um, but it turned away with an Eagles win, uh, winning by five. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of scary in that fourth quarter. It just seemed like the Cowboys had the ball for the entire quarter, and it came down to the, the Eagles just couldn't get anything going in that, that later part of the game. And a couple lucky breaks. Uh, Dak Prescott steps out on the, on the two-point attempt uh, off the Tolbert touchdown. And then there's another one where – Ferguson, if he's about a foot to his right, 
it's a touchdown, but his knee technically was on the, the half yard line. So that's really the difference maker. I mean, we won by five, twenty eight to twenty three, but the, the Cowboys were in the game the entire time. It just Eagles could never really pull away. And at, after at the half, it looked like Hurts kind of got banged up, didn't know what he's going to do, but he threw a, a dart to Devontae Smith, and that kind of shut down everything there. And we scored right after that. But fourth quarter was all Cowboys, and they just uh, again were just unfortunate little couple plays uh, could have been the difference maker. So the Eagles now move to 7-1, and one, Tom, and the Eagles find another way to pull away with a victory after pretty much, honestly, getting outplayed by Dak Prescott. And it's what was, what do you think is the main reason how the of why the Eagles were able to squeak away with a win here, even though it almost was taken away from them by that fumble, even on that last um, offensive drive that Dallas had that was led by the Eagles' penalties? Eagles only had 207 throwing yards from uh, from Jalen Hurts, just over 100 rushing yards. And Dak Prescott, he threw for 374 yards for three touchdowns. So a big difference uh, in just offense from both Dallas and the Eagles, but the Eagles come away with the win. Yeah, no, 100%. And you mentioned Jalen Hurts only had a little over 200 passing yards, and Dak almost had 400. He was 29 of 44 three passing touchdowns. Ferguson had a big day, seven receptions, almost 100 yards. CeeDee Lamb was unbelievable. He had 191 yards through the air on 11 receptions. But if you take a look at this Eagles team, they controlled the time of possession. DeAndre Swift looked really good in this game. And Jalen Hurts, despite only throwing the ball 23 times, he was efficient at 17 of 23. However, this Eagles team, that last possession, that last offensive possession, that was scary with DeAndre Swift and A.J. Brown running into each other. That could have been really bad. And then it's just a series of flags. You were just handing the Cowboys free yards pretty much on that last defensive possession. The injuries started to pile up. And when you take a look at this Philadelphia team, though, unlike, say, a Miami Dolphins, they know how to win these types of games. They can win in shootouts with Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown, but they can also use their ground game with DeAndre Swift and with these backs to win a game at home against a very good Cowboys team that played a really good game. Yeah, they really did play a pretty good game. It's just the fact that they're not able to just put the— they weren't able to get the ball into the end zone when they were in the red zone. That was the only problem with that uh, with that Dallas Cowboys team, and they've been struggling with that the entire year. It wasn't just that game. It's just been the entire year. But Aiden Ray, looking at the Eagles still— they have a bye week next week, which is fortunate for all the injuries that they were able uh, that they were able to accumulate in that game. Um, but they have the Chiefs on Monday Night Football, so they get a, technically an extra day of practice um, to prepare for the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Then they have to return home and play the Bills with another Kelly Green game, 49ers, and then the Cowboys again, and then the Seahawks, followed by two more matchups with the Giants as well as a matchup with the Cardinals. So there's a lot of... Really high, intense games for the Eagles, but then they're able to cool off a little bit with some of these easier games. But they have a really tough schedule ahead of them with the Chiefs, Eagles, and 49ers, as well as the Cowboys again. Yeah, they have a big, big stretch coming up after their bye. They, so they get some rest. Of course, yesterday, much-needed win over the Cowboys. And, yeah, it is not going to be easy going forward until until Christmas, i got to say, because um, the, obviously the Giants do not, do not look good. But um, the Eagles... They got they got some they got some challenges to face. The Chiefs looking in the revenge match of the Super Bowl. 
Yeah. We got the Bills, of course, even though they're kind of like underperforming. The Niners, NFC Championship rematch, and then the Cowboys in AT and T, which is definitely more, will definitely be way more rougher for the Eagles. And then Seattle, which is an incredible atmosphere, so it's definitely a, a big situation you got to go through. Um, and it's gonna be, it's not gonna be easy for them. Yeah, and Justin, I want to turn over to this Dallas Goddard injury real quick because Dallas Goddard suffered a fractured forearm, as we mentioned. And he's expected to have surgery and miss around four weeks. Thankfully, one of those weeks is a bye week for him. So he's only going to miss around three games. But as we were talking about, their next three games are Chiefs, Bills, 49ers. He's a huge part of this offense. Has been kind of quiet this season, but he has been a huge part of this offense uh, throughout his time as an Eagle. And his time will be missed in Philadelphia. How do you think the Eagles work around this with the absence of of Dallas Goddard. I know he's not been around the offense too much this season. He just hasn't been getting the amount of targets as he did in 2022, but he is now out with an injury and they have to move to one of their backups now. Yeah, I mean, most likely uh, you're probably going to give just more uh, or more tries to Julio Jones. Obviously, now they picked him up. Uh, I mean, A.J. Brown has been a top two receiver in football. Devontae Smith has been a quality second option. And most likely can compete with AJ, but I th- again, I believe Jack Stoll is our backup, so yep. it's going to be really a spot where you have to again. God, as you said, Goddard has been getting so many touches. He's he, I think he had one game where he had a touchdown, maybe two, but besides that, he's not really like a, a touchdown scoring tight end at least on this team right now. And I think again, uh, our receiving and especially the run game. I mean, Swift played solid last night. Besides, obviously that that fumble late, but he recovered. But I, I think it's going to be just more of rushing and just, again, these, these next three games, I mean, you're looking at them, it's going to be rough. And if we can somehow walk out 2-1 and one at least, it's, it's, it's going to have to be uh, more defensively, I think, than anything. Uh, a lot of plays against the Dallas Cowboys, really a lot of these games, it's come down to just two or three plays difference and we walk away with the loss. Obviously, that's what happened against the Jets, but mm-hmm. every other game yeah. has been, I mean, a seven-point win against the Commanders. I mean, we beat... The Dolphins by 14. Jets, we lost by six. Rams is a close game. Commanders, we also beat by three. I think defensively it's more uh, impactful, and obviously we saw some injuries on that side of the ball as well. But Goddard will be missed, and obviously hopefully he comes back uh, down the later stretch of the season. Yeah, and just looking, yeah, as you said, looking at these games, I mean, you beat Dallas by five, you beat the Commanders by a touchdown, you beat the Dolphins, which is one of their bigger margin of the games that they've had in their wins by 14. You lose to the Jets by six, beat the Commanders by three, beat the Rams by nine. Their biggest blowout this season was against the Buccaneers and also the Dolphins, which were both won by 14. But, Josh, or not Josh, Tom, I want to turn this over to you uh, one more time about the Eagles because I saw this rumor kind of ruin over social media, and I want to know your thoughts about it. If Dallas Goddard is out, I've heard that they might try and reach out to a certain somebody that Hasn't been in the league for a little bit of time, but they've they've there are rumors, and I'm not sure if they're true, but there are rumors that they might reach out to Rob Gronkowski. Well, if those rumors end up being true, I don't know what he's necessarily going to give you at this point in his career. He's been retired for the last couple of seasons. I believe the 2021 season was his last time playing football. When he won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady one more time, yes. Oh, so that was actually the 2020 regular season. Yeah, so... 
whatever you can get from Stoll, your backup, I think would be more beneficial than what you would get out of Rob Gronkowski. But Jack, you mentioned, and Locke touched on this, Kansas City on the road after the bye week, then you're home against Buffalo, home against San Francisco, at Dallas. This is a really big stretch because then after that, at Seattle, and then you go Giants, Cardinals, Giants to close out the season. So these next four games, I think your 8-1 record has bought you enough space to where you can split these four games, go 10-3, and three, and then close out with a 13-4, and four, maybe even 14-3 and three finish to the season because of all these wins. And despite not killing teams in the fashion you did last season, you're winning games, and yeah, that's all that matters. Exactly, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters for Jalen Hurts and this whole Eagles team. And honestly, these next four games are the toughest. And we, or the next, I mean, the past five, these five games as a whole, including both Dallas games, they won one of them. And their goal, obviously, is to at least have a positive record. Uh, obviously, they want to win all of them. But if they can come away with a three and two record, that's their that's their dream right now. And they already are in the right step forward with a win against Dallas at home, one of the most important games of the season. And I want to push uh, over just to the Dallas side because Dallas, they've um, they've been really, they've been either front running with the with just having a really good blowout against whatever team they play against, or they get blown out. And Ray, I don't know how that can be a good sign for good things to come in the playoffs if you're Dallas when you either are getting blown out or the, you're the ones that are blowing out other teams. Yeah, we saw it last week against the Rams. They won 43-20, to 20, of course, put it, putting a lot of points up on that team at home. But then the next week, you did, and then obviously like losing this week. But like this was like a better loss compared to the 49ers game and the Cardinals game for the Cowboys. So they're just... It is a weird situation for that team. It is, uh, they're, I don't even know. They're just, they need to figure it out. They, they really do. And Dak Prescott proved that he can be that guy, Justin, where he can try and push you forward towards these wins. It's just that the defense for them sometimes just has to be doing a little bit of the work, has to bring, uh, has to hold up a little bit of the workload. And it's obviously it didn't hold, uh, pull fully through last night against the Eagles where they lost by five. Yeah, I mean, Dak probably had one of his best games I've seen personally from him, and it ended up in a loss. He showed up. He showed up again. As I said, if he did one step to the left on that on that uh, the two-point conversion, the run, yeah. then it's a three-point game that all they had to do, obviously, instead of going for the end zone at the last play, they would just have to get in the field goal range, which they probably most likely were because the Eagles really couldn't stop anything in that fourth quarter. Obviously, we did give up the touchdown at the end, but we were kind of letting the march down the field. We were uh, getting a lot of pass interference calls. But as you said, defensively for the for the Cowboys, uh, they were seen as a top three defense, and obviously, Eagles are a top. I would say top three team in the league. So it's it's a tough it's a tough uh, sample to look at because you look at it, you say, oh well, they gave up twenty eight points against the Eagles, but most weeks, obviously, besides. Uh, surprising loss to the Cardinals. I mean, there's not a lot of games where the Cowboys have given up a drastic amount of points, and they do have Michael Parsons, who's obviously going to be one of the top guys going for defensive player of the year. It's it's really going to be interesting for them, obviously progressing forward. And I think again, if they as long as you don't allow 20 plus points, this Cowboys team will probably be in the running for the NFC. 
yeah, this Cowboys team is trying to at least make a case to try and show the Eagles that they can compete with them. And um, But the Eagles showed them right back also with their defense towards the end of the game, Tom, with those back-to-back sacks that they were able to get. Some of these, uh, some of the um, people on social media were saying that, oh, there was a late hit to Dak's head, but it wasn't called, and the Eagles were able to get back-to-back sacks to push them even further back um, out of the red zone, and around 30 yards they had to get to that on that last play, and they were about three yards short. But this whole game was just a matter of inches. You missed the two-point conversion. You missed that one touchdown that they were close to getting, but that got also got overturned, um, on, or it was a turnover on downs. So it, this whole game was a matter of inches, and I think a lot of people are really waiting for this rematch that will be in Dallas a few weeks from now. Yeah, no, the rematch is going to be an unbelievable game. And, Jack, you mentioned this is a game of inches. It is funny because Dallas had 406 total yards on offense. But even the last play of the game where Dak hit C.D. Lamb after being backed up because of the Eagles' pressure, and they got to Dak, I believe it was right before that last play, he hits C.D. Lamb and C.D.'s tackled and wrapped up a yard shy of the touchdown that would have won the game for the Cowboys You take a look at this Dallas Cowboys schedule coming up, home against the Giants at Carolina, home against uh, Washington on Thanksgiving, and then home against Seattle. Unlike Philly, it's kind of the inverse. Three straight home games. Yeah, but they're the inverse of the Eagles in the sense that the Eagles play tough teams now, and then they get a cakewalk towards the end. Dallas gets their easy portion now, and then they close out tough. This is going to be an interesting closeout for the season for the Cowboys because – when they win these games against bad teams, they can really kill them. But when they start playing contenders, Dak and the team, they look more limited. Yeah, and just looking at the schedule, I mean, they have Giants, they have the Panthers uh, on the road, and then they have to go back home against Washington, as you said, and then they play Seattle uh, at home with the Eagles following them. Um, both the Commanders and the Seahawks game. The Commanders game will be on Thanksgiving, but then the next Thursday will be a Thursday night football game for the Cowboys. Then the Cowboys will go to Buffalo. This is where the the hard games really start to come in. Then they play Miami on, on the road, and then they play the Lions, which will be at home, and then they go and travel up to D.C. to play the Commanders for the last game of the season. Ray, how do you think Dallas comes up in the NFC or just in the NFC East as well? Do they come away with a wild card spot, or do they come away with potentially winning the another <clears throat> NFC East title? So on this, I say they're going to be a wild card team because, again, not being the Eagles, the Eagles overall are like a better team and the Cowboys are just in that sort of like pickle where they're just, again, like you mentioned, winning again, win it, whenever, whenever they win, most of them are blowouts. Um, when they lose, they'll get destroyed. But against the Eagles, it was different. But then looking at the schedule, it doesn't look as difficult going forward because the Giants not that di- not difficult Panthers same thing Commanders um, I'm sure that's that could be a win um, Seahawks difficult and then yeah it gets difficult um, moving forward from weeks four like wait 13 to 17 because Seahawks Eagles Bills Dolphins and Lions are all gonna be tough opponents so yeah again they're in, it's a it's a pickle they're in yeah for it's for the the it's just kind of inversed for the Cowboys as it is for the Eagles. The Eagles 
have a lot of games that are going to be against really tough opponents in their next few games, and Dallas has some really easy ones, and then it flips to where the Eagles have very easy uh, opponents compared to the Cowboys' really hard opponents at the end of the season. We talked a lot about the Eagles and the Cowboys, and when we come back, we're going to get into the rest of these football matches that happened uh, last night, and then later we will also get into the Monday night football match between the Chargers and the Jets that will happen at 8.15 tonight. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Offsides. WGLS programming is made possible in part by the Rowan University Alumni Association. Delighted to serve over 100,000 Rowan Proud Profs through exciting events and programs, communications, volunteer and mentorship opportunities, and special benefits and discounts. Since its founding, the Alumni Association has worked to maintain a lasting and positive relationship between our dedicated graduates and their alma mater. Alumni are encouraged to check out the website for more information about getting involved. The website is alumni.rowan.com. Edu. The Rowan University Alumni Association is proud to sponsor the programming on Rowan Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to Offsides, RowanRadio.com, Channel 2. I'm your host, WGLS Sports Director Jack Miller, in place for Aaron Hook, who is your typical Monday host. But I'm joined with three fantastic guests. We got Justin Locke, Aiden Ray, and Tom Hill. We were just talking about the Dallas Cowboys versus the Eagles matchup that happened last night. Kickoff for that game was at 425. And we're going to get into some of the other games, more of the 1 o'clock games that happened um, before the Eagles and Dallas Cowboys played at the link. So we're going to talk about the early game that happened at 930 out in Germany, Frankfurt uh, in Germany. And it was... The Chiefs going up against the Miami Dolphins. It was definitely an interesting matchup between these two games out in Germany. And it was another one of those low-scoring ones that we weren't wanting to see because these these offenses can score a lot of points. But, Tom, I'm thinking that the, the flight to Germany had a little bit effect on their offensive playbook, and it ended up in a 21-14 victory with the Chiefs having one of their touchdowns being scored on defense. Yeah, the Dolphins' offense didn't really have the same aura that you typically expect from them. You know, they fly around. They use speed. Mike McDaniel comes from Shanahan, that tree. They love using guys in motion, Tyreek, Jalen Waddle, And they only put up 14 points. And actually, early on, it was zero. And Tyreek handed Kansas City a defensive score on that fumble. But you know what? Tua showed me something, and I think he showed a lot of people something. He was 21 of 34, a buck 93, and a touchdown pass. He showed me something late in that game. He had Tyreek on a deep crosser. I believe it was in the second quarter. Or it might have been actually in the third quarter, and Tyreek dropped it. He also threw a deep shot to Jalen Waddle a couple times in this game, and then obviously the way it ended with Miami driving and Kansas City ended up forcing the botch snap on Tua, and they couldn't get the playoff 21-14. Kind of an interesting game for Kansas City on offense because Travis Kelsey was very quiet with only three receptions, and they didn't really pound Isaiah Pacheco anywhere near to the level you would think if you, know, if you consider the fact that Kelsey wasn't involved and Pacheco wasn't involved. This is a team that just 
you know, veteran team, great team. They're seven and two. And this offense, even without, you know, explosive wide receiver talent, just finds a way to get things done consistently week in and week out. Just like the Eagles, honestly. They they find ways to win no matter the score. And uh, Ray, I want to turn this over to you because Tyreek Hill didn't really have as big of a game as we thought he would because this is his first game against Kansas City, and he only comes away with eight receptions, which is which is a good chunk of receptions, but not as many yards as he typically gets as he only was held to 62. Andy Reid knew how to limit Tyreek Hill in this game and only hold, held him to 62 yards, 7.8 yards per reception. Yeah, that's true. Of course, 62 yards just being a little rough out here with eight receptions and then he had he had three yards on like rushing so he only had 65 total yards against his former team in the Chiefs so yeah yeah it's just definitely rough not being able to see him being used on the offense while they're playing in another country obviously but it's just they the offense offense just couldn't get it done really until the second half yeah and just looking at the Dolphins Justin, they they haven't been able to win against a team with a winning record. How does that favor them into going into the later half of the season and playoffs coming around the corner once January comes along? Um, honestly, you look at it and you think going into a couple games. Obviously, as an Eagles fan, I thought that Dolphins coming after a couple weeks prior, they put up seventy against Denver. I thought this team was something to gaze at and look kind of down the line. You kind of look at the little things they they have. Two of the fastest guys in the league and at the receiving core. And Waddle got hurt yesterday. But on the play, it, it comes down to, again, if they don't underthrow uh, Cedric Wilson on the one throw, most likely that's a touchdown. It ties up 21 apiece. But then the next couple plays later, the Chiefs steal the deal. And then, obviously, with the defensive score from the Chiefs, it's another thing where it's just it's little miscues. Again, it's, it's every team. If you, if you lose a game by seven points, it's always something that goes wrong, and those seven points were given back to on on a fumble recovery. And you take that fumble recovery away, there's overtime. They're in Germany, and who knows what happens after the coin flip and everything. But this Dolphins team, they do have the Raiders coming up, which I think should be a win at home. Then they have the Jets on the road, the Commanders, the Titans, then the Jets again. And they don't play another uh, top, I would say, five to seven team until the Cowboys, and that's on uh Christmas Eve. So they have a little bit of a good stretch here where they can kind of prove that they could beat the thing. They showed they could beat teams over 500, but when a team or a team under 500, when a team above 500, they just look kind of diminished and injuries have something to do with that sometimes. But I think uh, Tua has still shown that he is a top five quarterback in this league. Wow. Okay. Well, I want to turn over to a guy that I think reached the top 10 uh, in that quarterback list of CJ Stroud and the Houston Texans because. This Texans-Bucks battle, honestly, Tom, could have been game of the year. And we saw the Browns and Colts, who I never thought I would say would be at a game of the year um, contention, but it was a few weeks ago. But this, but this time, this week, we get game of the year almost a finalist, at least at this point, between the Texans and the Bucks. A shootout, 39-37, to and the Texans came away with the win on a game-winning drive led by C.J. Stroud, rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud. He has been on a tear for the Texans, even though they're 4-4. Four and four. Yeah, and it's pretty funny when you actually take a look at it from this context that, you know, the potential game of the year is former Panther quarterback Baker Mayfield against 
the quarterback the Panthers should have drafted for their future in C.J. Stroud. So yeah. it is funny how things sometimes circle out. But and you no, are a Panthers fan. I am, yeah. <laughs> um, so C.J. Stroud, he was unbelievable. 30 of 42, 475 touchdown passes. He hits, I believe it was Dell. Yep, Tank Dell for the 15-yard game-winning touchdown towards the end. This is just when you start to see a quarterback like C.J. Stroud. He was a two-year starter at Ohio State in college. He was drafted second overall. And you see it. We didn't see it this early with Trevor Lawrence. We didn't see it this early with Joe Burrow. We didn't see it this early with Tua or Josh Allen. And we like a lot of these guys. But the last time that we've seen a quarterback just come right into the league and light it on fire and play unbelievable football was Justin Herbert in 2020. And C.J. Stroud is putting up Justin Herbert 2020-type numbers. And I think, although it is early, I think we can comfortably say that he is, at the very least, a top-10 quarterback in the NFL, even nine games in, ten games in. Do you agree with that statement, Ray? Honestly, yeah. But even though it obviously it is early, but C.J. Stroud looked phenomenal yesterday. He looked amazing out there. And, of course, he was able to use many of his weapons. Noah Brown had 153 receiving yards and a touchdown. Dalton Schultz, 130 yards and a touchdown. And Tank Dell, who had two touchdowns and 114 receiving yards. So it's definitely awesome to see the Texans just use their weapons so well. And just, they're honestly the one of them, they're probably one of the most surprising teams in the NFL this year. They're, they're playing great football right now. Under Demeco Ryans. They really are. And, I mean, Justin, if you tell me that these guys on the Texans are performing well on this receiving core, I would have told you, I would have questioned who you were talking about last year if we talked about this. Because the only person I would have known last year on this list would have been Dalton Schultz, who was on the Cowboys last year, putting up really good numbers for the Cowboys. And... He's getting 10 receptions for 130 yards and a touchdown. That's not even Cowboys numbers that we saw from him, and he's putting up really elite numbers at the tight end level. Yeah, I mean, and you, obviously like Noah Brown, 153 yards, six catches. Uh, Tank Dell, I mean, Nico Collins has been kind of their number one this year. They All around, I mean, I think Stroud goes in, gets a lot of the credit, but a lot of times it's it's perfect place balls, but really the receiver has to make, make the catch, and that's really what happens their running game hasn't been really much of anything, and they, I think, again, when you really don't have that to fall back on, you've seen it with the receiving game, and that's why Stroud kind of just pinpoints those passes, especially with less than a minute yesterday. He got got off the, the game-winning score, and I think uh, this team, sometimes it's not about the names, it's about the production, and that's what the, uh, the really Texans is. have done. Yes, they're not a top-five team in the league, but they're inching up, and in I think they, they're going to have a case there for the AFC uh, South, but obviously the Jaguars are the uh, the front runners there, I would say. But they're definitely the, the second, and most likely you're going to have uh, a chance at that wild card spot. And, uh, Tom, I want to bring this uh, point up to you. Let's say the um, the Texans make it all the way to the wild card. Uh, maybe they w- somehow win the AFC South over Jacksonville. But no matter what, let's say the Texans win a, cl- a playoff berth in the AFC, which is highly contested. We'll touch on that a little later. But let's say they make the AFC playoffs, right? Is D'Amico Ryans, he has to be, if they make the playoffs, they, he has to be top three finalist for coach of the year. I think he's the coach of the year. If they make the playoffs, he's the coach of the year. Yeah. I mean, you take a look at this team. This was a team who had 
David Coley coached them two seasons ago when they were awful. And then in 2022, it was Lovey Smith. They fire him after one season. There was some talks whether or not, you know, tank for Bryce Young, tank for the first overall pick. Will they get the second overall pick? They draft Stroud. They then they draft make a the better quarterback at this Arizona point. Yeah. And Will Anderson Jr., who they selected number three overall, Derek Stingley Jr., was third overall for them in 2022. So when you take a look at this Houston team, the building blocks for this team defensively have been put in place, and all they needed was a coach that can get them, push them forward, and a quarterback that can elevate. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks over the course of the past few seasons. Burrow, Lawrence, Josh Allen, Herbert, Lamar, you know, the list goes on and on that these quarterbacks can elevate talent, and C.J. Stroud has talent. I mean, this is a top 10, maybe top five quarterback in this league. And with a really good coach and defensive pieces that they've built over the draft and good wide receiver talent, this is a really good team. I wouldn't be shocked if they win a playoff game. I would not be surprised if, one, they make the playoffs, or two, they win a playoff game because this team has been really well coached. It doesn't matter what name has been put on this team. They have all been performing at the best levels that they've pretty much all been performing in their entire career and it's really fun to watch to watch this Texans team even though they're four and four and we're talking about them potentially making the playoffs and this could be a really fun ride uh in Houston uh later on once we get to late December and early January um but let's talk about this playoff picture because um the Bills lost last night against the Cincinnati Bengals and now they're not even in the playoff picture after the loss to Cincinnati as there are number nine on like just seeding wise and they're five and four third in the AFC East they're behind the Jets this is a crazy Bills team that has been able to win some of these close games Ray this has kind of been a continuous trend who do you blame this for on the Bills because this has been happening for not just this year but in previous seasons as well even to end the season on the Bills honestly I feel like I gotta blame um, Ken Dorsey because like the real stuff, their offense has not looked really good like these last like few weeks because, of course, they kept a close game against the Giants. They lost to the Patriots. They had a close game against the Buccaneers, and then they just lose to the Bengals. And they're just looking like they're looking fraudulent. They're just not looking. They're underperforming this season. They and of course, being behind the Jets, who do play tonight, who only have only played seven games so far, but then the Bills. Nine games, nine seed. It is a rough situation. Rough situation for them right now. Every wild card team is from the AFC North. Yeah, it's Steelers, Browns, and Bengals, and there's also the Ravens in there because they're leading the division right now. And all teams in the AFC North have a winning record. The last place AFC North Cincinnati Bengals are five and three with a seven seed in the AFC in the AFC picture right now. And they beat the Bills last night. Exactly. So they're. They're on the come up right now after going 0 and 2 and 1 and 3. Now they're 5 and 3 after winning four straight, Tom. This has been a very fun Bengals team to watch after Joe Burrow has been getting healthy, he's getting back into a groove and he's finding he's finding Higgins, he's finding Boyd, he's finding Jamar Chase and he's looking very strong just like he was last year. Well, the mandated, you know, Joe Burrow and the Bengals have to start poorly every single season. That's just, you know, written into the rules of the league you know the first three four weeks they just look awful and then they finally start get it going you know week five week six and it's been the same story this season we saw it last year we've seen it now they beat 
Buffalo last night, 24 to 18. And this is where, you know, we touched on with Philly and Kansas City. They know how to win games in multiple different ways, whereas maybe a Miami or a Buffalo does not. Buffalo, if you, you know, look at this from the Bills' loss, they are very reliant on Josh Allen. They are very reliant on him to be their running game as well as their quarterback, and they're very limited on offense. Stephon Diggs is great, but they don't have a great offensive play caller, and Cincinnati is a more polished, buttoned-up team, especially on the offensive side. Joe Burrow was phenomenal, 31 of 44, 348, and T. Higgins had eight catches for 110 yards. They didn't even really use Jamar Chase all that much because they didn't need to, and this was a game that they were able to win even on the ground with Joe Mixon, he's a bell cow. You can give him volume. He can see elite usage and handle it. Or they can win on the outside with, you know, Jamar NT. This is a really good Cincinnati team. I wouldn't be shocked if they come out of the AFC the way they did two seasons ago. So, Justin, I want to bring your point in right now because this Bengals team is on the come up. This Browns defense looks elite as they shut out the Cardinals yesterday. Steelers always trying to find a way to win as they have Mike Tomlin as their coach. 5-3 and three record with the number 5 seed. Ravens, they're they're leading the division at 7-2. and two. Lamar is back at that MVP level that we like to see back in 2018. And this entire AFC has been shaken up by the AFC North, but how do you think this uh, AFC as a whole turns out to be? Like, who wins each division? I know it's only about week, it's only week 9 at this point, but who do you see as the division winners in the AFC? I mean, I think that the uh, the Dolphins will most likely win the AFC East. That's still up in the air. I mean, Buffalo, again, they just have to get s- some stuff going. If Rodgers was healthy the entire season, the Jets would easily be number one, I think. And But I'll go Miami. AFC North, I think it's the Ravens. They've looked like a top three team in the league. They've, again, 7-2 and two have been just electric. Lamar back, I would, obviously we'll talk about it later, but I think he's making the case again for another MVP. AFC South, most likely Jacksonville is going to close it out. I think, again, C.J. Stroud and the Texans are close there, but I think Jacksonville will get it. And then the West, I think this is the easiest answer. The Kansas City Chiefs are going to take that. I, I don't really think there's so any So there's not team. going to be any really changes? No, I mean, the, the thing is, last year, uh, Jacksonville kind of snuck in at the end. Like, they won, I think, their last six games in a row. So Houston could have a similar run. They could just kind of end off the season maybe – like 10 and 7, I think could maybe get them it, but that means Jacksonville would have to lose out. And I think the AFC North, there's a definite chance every team is around this, again, like a two game difference. So obviously, if Baltimore, uh, let's say something does happen uh, injury wise, any of those three teams could come up. I mean, defensively, the Browns are really solid. The Bengals, again, if if uh, Burr didn't have the calf injury uh, prior to the start of the season, uh, they wouldn't be 5 and 3. And they most likely would be in the same spot the Baltimore Ravens would be at. So I think the AFC North is the, the most up for grabs. And then I think the AFC East is probably second. And then the South and then the West. Hot take. Trevor Lawrence, the second best quarterback in his division. Second best. Okay. CJ Stroud's yeah. number one. Okay. I, I, that's a, I honestly, I don't even see that as a hot take. I see that as a pretty reasonable take. Because at the level that Stroud is performing at, we have not seen Trevor put up those kind of numbers at least consistency cj stroud has a type of uh aura yeah that we just don't see from nfl qbs exactly so i think for me it's just we i want to switch things over to the some of these teams that are on the on the downfall a little bit um as i want to 
pr- bring the attention over to the Raiders and Giants game um, that happened yesterday. And the Raiders won uh, 30-6 to after firing their head coach, Josh McDaniels. And um, I want to bring – I want to talk to you about this, Tom. I want your, the Raiders' perspective on this. Um, and then I'm going to hand things over to the Giants' perspective of Aiden Ray, who is a Giants fan. And we have another story to bring up about the Giants. Um, but I want to talk to you about the Raiders first, Tom, because the Raiders are on a different level after they fired Josh McDaniels, and they look they looked really solid against a Giants team that I thought this game would be pretty close and low scoring, but the Raiders were just able to pull away throughout the whole thing. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they didn't really face that much competition, especially the opposing quarterback, Tommy DeVito. He's just not an NFL QB, and I I know that's horrible to say about anybody on a roster, but this giant team, Daniel Jones, gets hurt early in the game. Aiden O'Connell for the Raiders, 16-25. They didn't really ask him to do a ton, but he didn't need to do a ton. Josh Jacobs had 26 carries on the ground, four two touchdowns. So this is a Raider team. Josh McDaniels, kind of a retread coach. They bring him in. He was a disappointment last season. He was a disappointment all of this season so far, 3-5 and five through the first eight weeks. And Antonio Pierce, he has a history of working as a high school head coach. He was a former linebacker in the NFL, and he was also a high school coach. He coached at Arizona State, I believe, a few seasons ago. So this is a guy, linebacker, knows the game of football. Everything I've been hearing from just, you know, sources all across the internet that this guy knows football and this guy knows how to coach and knows the game knows how to relate to players so this Raider team 30 to 6 at home against the Giants it is the Giants so you can't go too too crazy but a win is a win in the NFL and Antonio Pierce gets his first win as a head coach in his debut yeah and you're probably wondering and you're probably asking me as I'm speaking Jack why did uh Tom say that Tommy DeVito was the quarterback for the Giants. It's because, as Tom hinted at, Daniel Jones got hurt towards ACL against the Raiders yesterday. And Ray, um, that has to hurt a little bit. I know you guys were struggling on offense and as a whole this this entire season, but that's another just punch to the gut that you cut you guys just didn't really need. Yeah, this is pretty painful. First off, good game Raiders. Um, they played very well, but this just sucks. As Daniel Jones just tears his ACL, comes in just not looking good. Of course, overthrowing Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt was just had great separation. Daniel Jones, but then Daniel Jones is falling to the ground. It just it's it it sucks. And then the pickle situation. And then uh, with Tommy Tommy DeVito as our quarterback now, because Tyrod got hurt, and of and we're just we just have all these like injuries. Like it's. Oh my! The Giants, uh, we are just not in a good spot. Saquon, 16 carries for 90 yards. The only touchdown, Wando Robinson, he had 35 yards and four receptions. But oh, this is just not a good situation at all. We are not. This is last year is last year is definitely looking like a fluke. Caleb Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the I problem is is that there's there's a bunch of other pickle. <clears throat> uh, cute. There's a bunch of other. Um, just teams that are trying to tank for that as well. The yes, problem, they are. The problem is, is Tom, I want to bring this back to you because you are the Panthers fan. The problem is, is your Panthers aren't doing that well either. They're 1-7. No, they're horrible. 
But you guys lost your first-round pick, so there's no point of losing at this point because you guys have Bryce Young. You got the first pick last season, but you pretty much gave your first pick or you gave away your first-round pick, which is now going to end up in the this year's first-round pick for the Chicago Bears. And ironically, we play the Bears on Thursday Night Football on Amazon this week to start off week 10. No, but oh, that should be a, a uh, defensive matchup. Yeah, <laughs> that should be 6-3. to three, uh, final <laughs> Might be score. one of those Colts classic Bron- Thursday night football Colts Broncos yeah. last year. That's what it's going to be. Oh, definitely. We're, yeah. we're going to be in bed by the second quarter. Game no, of the year. but when you take a look at this Panthers <laughs> team, they just don't have an offensive line, and it's a new head coach with Frank Reich, and you have Bryce Young back there. Adam Thielen is definitely been a, a surprise he's been a revelation really as he's kind of revitalized his career here in his first year in Carolina but when you take a look at this team you know we're not very deep defensively Brian Burns is a nice piece and JC Horn is an elite corner but he's never healthy and he hasn't been healthy for virtually this entire season and when you take a look at this Panthers team outside of Thielen the receivers don't separate really well I've been disappointed so far in Jonathan Mingo the signing of Miles Sanders was just an absolute debacle. I called that even right as we signed him. I don't I just don't didn't understand the thought process behind it because Deontay Foreman looked good and he would have been cheaper had we kept him. CJ Stratus looked great in Houston and he's looked great, so it's been a bummer, but I'm not writing off Bryce Young, even though maybe would I thought of Bryce Young coming in and what I thought of C.J. Stroud coming in, I thought Young was the better player. He doesn't really have much time under that offensive line. And, Jack, your point, it's a shame because we trade D.J. Moore and all those picks, that collateral to move up to one last season, and now we don't have a first-round pick. So at least Giant fans can tank maybe for Caleb Williams or Drake May. We're kind of stuck. Yeah, and – Tom, I want to uh, bring this question over to you as well because it's your Panthers, and I think it's definitely an interesting question. I want to turn the question to you, Justin, too, after I hear Tom's answer. So you had an elite offensive coordinator with the Eagles of Frank Reich that becomes a head coach for the Colts and now later the Panthers, right? Then you have an elite defensive coordinator of D'Amico Ryans that was the defensive coordinator of the 49ers, over to now the Texans, who he's now the head coach of. Do you think, let's say, the Panthers and the Texans, they, didn't, they don't switch picks, they just switch quarterbacks. So C.J. Stroud gets drafted first, and Bryce Young goes over to the Texans. Do you think it would be the same narrative with C.J. Stroud doing these really top-caliber numbers with the Panthers, or do you think it's a coaching problem and it's just the Panthers organization that might just need a rebuild? The latter coaching problem and it's a Panthers flaw organizationally and institutionally I'll say this I think that so I checked the Texans record they're four and four with Stroud I think that with Young they would still be four and four I think if we had Stroud we'd maybe be a game better maybe because I do think he has looked more polished even you know with Bryce Young kind of playing through a a complete turnstile offensive line this would be Stroud's reality had he been a Panther I do think Stroud is a better player and that's something I got wrong back in April but it's not so much better Bryce Young looks like a rookie quarterback CJ Stroud does not 
Like C.J. Stroud no. is doing different things. He that, looks like a third-year quarterback he looks that was like drafted a, in the first round. Absolutely. He looks like a third, fourth-year quarterback that knows how to run an offense and has run the same offense at an NFL level for the last couple of seasons. Bryce Young looks like a rookie QB. He didn't look good on Sunday against Indianapolis. He had two pick sixes. But there's going to be some growing pains. These receivers can't really separate. And I think had we drafted Stroud, we would have found a way coaching-wise with Frank Reich and this organization, we would have found a way to make him look nowhere near the quarterback that he has looked so far on the Texans. So, Justin, I said I would turn the question to you. Do you think the situation would be different? Do you think it would be the same? If Stroud and Young switch spots, what would be the reality in your opinion? I think the Texans would probably be maybe a game worse, but I, I think the Panthers might have Again, there was two games. I think the Saints game would have probably went to the Panthers if Stroud was on the roster instead. I think the Vikings won uh, back on October 1st. So I think there's a two-game split there that could have probably, if Stroud puts up the same type of numbers that he's doing on Houston, I think. But again, obviously, again, coaching-wise, I think probably it gets up in the air. I would say, again, Stroud has been much better. If we're we're talking about exact same numbers on the same team, on the opposite team, I, I think the Panthers would have a chance, obviously, in the NFC South, but um, since that's not the reality, yeah, I, it's it's close. Though. I, I don't think either team would be having a winning record, but I, I think that it Bryce Young would have had as bad as uh, – he wouldn't look as, as much as a rookie quarterback as he would if he was on Houston. That makes that makes sense. Um, quick question for, for you two in the conference studio, Tom and Aiden. Are you guys going to pizza with the pros tonight? Were you planning to? If if not, it's it's okay. I'm just, I'm yeah. just wondering. You guys were okay. So, so we're gonna okay. So we're gonna wrap this up a little bit quicker than so I so we can get you guys there uh, on time. Um, so I want to talk really quickly. Um, we'll just we'll just go to you, Tom, for this. Uh, Chargers Jets tonight, Monday Night Football. Uh, the Chargers offense obviously electric. Their defense really needs to get into a groove as they haven't been the past few seasons with Justin Herbert. But the Jets defense. I mean, the Chargers could look, just take some notes from the Jets' defense because they've been shutting down ev- ev- any quarterback that they want. How do you think this game is going to go tonight at MetLife uh, tonight um, for the Chargers versus the Jets? Because the Jets' defense has been really good, and they were able to beat the Eagles, and that was their only loss of the season. They were also able to keep in contention with the Chiefs and also maintain some other really, really good superstar quarterbacks in this league. Yeah, Jalen Hurts threw three picks against this defense. Patrick Mahomes didn't look good on Sunday Night Football. Josh Allen week one virtually handed the Jets the game as he threw three interceptions. So if I had to make a prediction for this Jet Charger game, I think Justin Herbert's going to look flustered, vulnerable, and uncomfortable back there. And I think the Jets could win this game kind of one of those ugly 20-13 to type wins, 17-12, to where Zach Wilson does just enough to win the game on offense. They really lean on Brees Hall. Garrett Wilson gets his four or five catches, and they make Justin Herbert throw two or three picks and just show why they're the best defense in the league. All right, well, we're going to quickly get into the top five, and our top five is top five NFL MVP candidates. And, Justin, I know you have your radio show at six, so we're going to start with you so you can get over to the on-air studio. Uh, Your top five NFL MVP candidates right now in your opinion just we're not stating off the, the nfl or vegas website or whatnot your opinion who do you think deserves mvp in the national football league we're going five to one you can do whatever order you want oh. i don't for me i don't even have an order so okay. I, I just have random names on the list okay, i do a five to one i burrow at five 
Okay. Again, if he didn't have the calf injury, I think he'd be higher. I think Mahomes is at four. I think he's looked solid, but not as solid as he has the MVP seasons he's had before. Yes, I think I two is at three. He's looked pretty sharp, leading the league in passing, passing yards, and I believe he's top two in touchdowns if he's not number one. I've hurt it too. Best record in the NFL. Uh, if he didn't have eight interceptions, I think he'd be at one. But number one, I have Lamar Jackson. The Ravens looked great, and I think it's Lamar's kind of found his groove again. I think uh, if he keeps it up, he will be uh, a two-time MVP. Yeah, that, he definitely can be. And if he honestly, if he gets to that second seed, no matter what, I think he's the National Football League MVP. But Justin, thank you for joining us on Offsides, and we'll let you go to your uh, pop flavor show. All right, thank you. Of course. And uh, so, does any? Do you guys want to go next? I mean, I can go next. Um, but I'll um, go. You'll go, Ray. All right, great. So. Uh, Ray, who do you have as your top five NFL MVP candidates? Doesn't have to be in order. Can be from one to five. Can be from five to one. Um, just letting you know, mine's not in order. I just have five names on this list. What I'm honoring Danny Ryan with this one, I have an honorable mention. So yeah, that's how I feel. Like it's, I just have like five guys guys on there. Um, mostly QBs, of course. So Joe Burrow, Mahomes. Um, I'm thinking kind of two. Rolling on Tua a little bit because of like how electric Dolphins have been. Um, Tyreek, either Tyreek or AJ Brown, like could be in that conversation because like they've been playing well, but like of course it won't be able to go to a receiver. I don't feel. Yeah. And then Lamar. Yeah, it's crazy to think about this, Tom. That a kicker has more MVPs than any wide receiver. Absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but um, I won't lie. I had AJ Brown on that list. Then I realized that the performance i mean he did get it um he he had um a few yards here and there um with the he had like 60 some yards against the cowboys i took him off my list because you don't know if that trend's going to continue he had a great last five six games with the eagles but i took him off but what do you think do you think a, a wide receiver should be on this list in the top five for you I think the only guy who would be in consideration for me would be Tyreek Hill because he has yeah. 408 yards after catch. It is a weird double-edged sword because I do have Tua at three on my MVP list. Mine is Lamar one, Allen two, Tua three, Mahomes four, and Tyreek Hill five. And Tyreek Hill is kind of more wishful thinking. Jalen Hurts probably would be the more clear-cut, obvious, practical five, but... Tyreek Hill and A.J. Brown, what they've done so far has just been unbelievable, and especially Tyreek having over 400 yards of yak, and he's just unbelievable how much he can generate in the separation game. But I do think Tua has just been phenomenal this year, incredibly efficient. EPA per play is elite, quick release, and there's some data out there, like highly analytical data, that he's actually been better without Tyreek. Yeah, he has been uh, a little bit, and – I want to go over to my top five list, and it's a little interesting. I won't lie. There's a little bit of, I would say for you guys, probably a little bit of some question marks, but we're going to go with it. And I don't have an order, um, and I want to start off with my honorable mention. And this is only if said team makes the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, C.J. Stroud is definitely could be an MVP candidate. Honestly, he could be a Rookie of the Year candidate, and if he does make the playoffs, I think it's a guarantee for him. But... He has to be in the top five. I'm not saying he is. I'm not saying he is. But he has some life if they make the playoffs. But I want to go over to um, my actual top five. I have Trevor Lawrence on this list just because Jacksonville has been doing really solid. And Trevor Lawrence has been putting up some some pretty solid QB numbers. 
Um, I have Mahomes. I do have Jalen on here, and I took off A.J. Brown for Tua, um, and I also have Lamar Jackson, who I do think will win the MVP this year. He is my number one guy. I know I said I had no order, but um, if there was a number one, it would be Lamar Jackson. Um, the other guys I just have in there as, yeah, there is a chance, there's a higher chance than any of the other guys to win MVP. And I would have put Josh Allen on this list, but how can you if you're only scoring 18 points against a Bengals team that's defense isn't really that strong? So, and they haven't been really solid on offense this entire season, but that's going to do it for this episode of Offsides. For Tom Hill, for Aiden Ray, and Justin Locke, I'm your temporary Monday host of uh, WGLS Sports Director Jack Miller in place for Aaron Hook. Uh, we will have another episode on Wednesday where I will be your host, and that's my typical show. There will be an Offsides tomorrow at, or not tomorrow, on Wednesday at 5 o'clock. Thank you guys for tuning in, and have a great rest of your Monday night. You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.